listening to The Journey Podcast. The Journey is a college and young adult ministry of South Crest Baptist Church. We hope this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Sweet guys. So have you guys ever seen the videos of like sheep or like other animals acting like they're dogs? Like you'll see like a video of like a sheep running around with a bunch of dogs and it's like the cutest thing ever or like goats or something like that. Or maybe we have like dogs or cats back home um, that act like humans. I know that for me, um, my dog doesn't live with me. It actually lives with my parents. Shout out parents because we can't pay for a dog in the apartment. That's like $250 we don't have. Um, But no, like my little dog Zoe, she's like this big and she'll what she'll do is if like you're sitting on the couch like so say me and Becca are sitting on the couch next to another one another that's a weird way to say that but she'll jump up on the couch and like lodge herself in between us and she like won't sit like a normal dog but she'll like lean back against the couch and like sit with like her paws out like this and like her little tongue hangs out like that and it's just like the cutest thing ever but she just props herself up like she's a little human but we know that she's not a human right so she's acting like something that she's not and, and in our lives, I would go ahead and bet that everybody in here has experienced, whether it was with a professor or a teacher um, or, or so, like a boss um, in your life, that instead of acting like a teacher, man, they were acting like a ninth grade high schooler, right? Um, maybe, maybe you've had that experience or maybe um, you've even said like, hey, maybe that's me, right? Maybe I've, I've said that I was somebody's friend and acted not like a friend to them, right? So I've said things about myself and acted the exact opposite. I feel like most of us in there can say that about ourselves. And if you can't, come talk to me afterwards and I would love to know your secrets. Um, I would love to know how to just become the perfect individual. That would be great. Becca would love it. Um, And so that would be super cool. But no, all of us have experienced that sometime in our lives, right? Whether it's with like I said, teachers and professors or, or um, friends that don't act like friends or whatever it is, we've all experienced someone in our lives that say there's something but act the exact opposite, right? So we're all on the same field here. We, we, if you're sitting in here tonight and you're like, no, Zach, I've actually, I've never experienced that. I would be very surprised. Um, but that's really cool, I guess. But throughout the whole letter um, that Paul is writing to the Corinthians right here, that's what he's addressing. He's addressing them um, as believers who are not acting like believers, right? So he's saying, hey guys, like here, here are these things that are going on that Christians should be doing. And then way the heck over here, this is what you guys are doing. So let's figure out where, what's, what's the issue here? What is, is keeping you guys from doing this, right? And specifically, that's what he addresses in this chapter. Um, man, so I'm excited to dive into this tonight, but really quickly, um, by the way, it's chapter four. So really quickly, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna go ahead and just read the whole chapter for us. Um, and so I'll try to read quickly and not super um, incorrectly. That would be nice. Sweet. But yeah, so 1 Corinthians chapter four, if you wanna flip there. And so it says, this is how one should regard us, as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself, for I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. 
Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, being the Lord comes, who will bring, it, who bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. I have applied all these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, brothers, that you may learn by us not to go beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up in favor of one against another. For who sees anything different in you? What do you, what do you have that you did not receive? If you then received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Already you have what you want. Already you have become rich. Without us you have become kings. And with that, and with that you did reign so that we might share rule with you. For I think that God has exhibited us apostles as last of all, like men sentenced to death, because we have become a spectacle to the world, to angels, and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are held in honor, but we in disrepute. To the present hour, we hunger and thirst. We are poorly dressed and buffeted and homeless, and we labor, working with our hands. When reviled, we bless. <clears throat> Lost my spot, sick. Um, here we are. When reviled, we bless. When persecuted, we endure. When slandered, we entreat. We have become and are still like the scum of the world, the refuse of all things. I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For though you have count, or countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you then, be imitators of me. That is why I sent you Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ, as I teach them everywhere in every church. Some are arrogant as though I were not coming to you, but I will come to you soon, if the Lord wills, and I will find out not that the talk of these arrogant people, but their power. For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. What do you wish? Shall I come to you with a rod or with love in a spirit of gentleness? So I know I just like read a ton and just dropped a ton on you. There's not a whole lot of serious stuff in there, right? Paul's like pretty relaxed with them and he's like, hey, cool, do whatever you want. No, that's actually, that's actually the exact opposite of what he's doing there, right? There's a lot of serious stuff going on. He addresses them, um, in a way that might seem a little bit tough and a little bit harsh to some of us, to me, when I first read it. Um, but man, I'm just gonna, so I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and dive in because um, there's, there's a lot to unpack here. Um, and so really quick, I'm gonna go uh, and kind of give like a bird's eye view of verses one through seven, okay? So we're gonna go through those really quick. Uh, but looking at previous chapters, even what um, Cole preached on last week, right? So he, he kind of hints at the beginning here, um, Man, they're prideful, man. They're, they're puffed up, it says, um, in like competition against each other, basically, right? Because some of them were, man, I like Paul. Some of them were saying, man, I like Apollos. It's like the example that Cole gave last week of Katie and Seth. And what if we came in here and everybody was like, well, you know, I actually, I like Katie more. Um, and the people who like Seth, man, they are whack jobs. They need to beat it. We're actually gonna split the church here um, because we think that, yeah, the people that follow Seth or the people that follow Katie are unrighteous. And, and that's what's happening right here. So yeah, they're being, they're being judgmental, they're being divisive. They're finding their identity in anything else but their commonality in Christ. 
They're, they're looking at each other and not realizing, hey, we're brothers and sisters. We're in this together. We need to fight together. We need to, to line up, stand side by side in unity and, and pray for one another and be there for one another. But rather they're saying, man, I don't like that person because of the teacher that they like or because of this reason, X, Y, and Z. So Paul addresses that in the beginning. He then says about judgment, which this is really weird here, right? So I feel like the Bible says a lot about judgment and it's kind of confusing sometimes. Like we don't exactly know what all of it means, right? Because earlier in verse two or in chapter two, at the end of it, he says, the spiritual person judges all things. And then here he says, hey guys, don't judge. So is Paul just being like the biggest hypocrite ever? And then as you can see from going on in the rest of this chapter, he says, hey, don't judge. And then he proceeds to literally judge the, the church of Corinth the rest of the chapter. So is Paul just the biggest hypocrite ever? You guys can answer. No, right? Paul is not the biggest hypocrite ever. Um, and so I actually like, looked into it a little bit and looked at the original like, language, and I'm not by any means like a Greek or a Hebrew philosopher or anything like that. Like I'm not near smart enough. If you want those questions answered, go ask Cole and then he'll pray about it and not be able to answer it either. Um, but it's gonna be great, yeah. But I did a little bit of research. The Google helps a lot um, if you don't know that. If you ever need a question, just ask the Google. Um, yes, I'm referring it to as the Google. Um, but no, I, I Googled that and there are actually two different words being used in those situations, right? So the first, um, whenever he says the spiritual person judges all things, that, that word is more closely tied to a similar word in English, um, examine, right, to examine. And whenever he's saying do not judge in this passage, it's more similarly, similarly paired with the word diagnose. And so I'm gonna break that down really quick a little bit for you because I think it's really important because if he's being a huge hypocrite, then the rest of this chapter doesn't matter at all right? And so the idea of examining versus diagnosing is if I'm at home and Becca walks in and she has a really runny nose and she's coughing a lot and her throat hurts and um, she's sneezing a lot, I might look at her and say, hey, I think you're sick. Maybe we should go to a doctor. But if she walks in and she's doing all that and I'm like, whoa, you definitely have pneumonia. There's a big difference there, right? Because yeah, I can, I can easily tell when somebody's sick but I cannot diagnose them with a specific sickness, right? And so that's the same idea as if we go to the doctor, that would kind of suck if he was just like, hey, yeah, you're sick. Here's some medicine. I don't know if it'll help. But no, he's gonna, he's gonna run tests and he's gonna diagnose them with, hey, you have flu type A or hey, you have pneumonia or hey, you have a cold or whatever it is. And so that's what's happening in these passages here is he's not telling us not to examine, a spiritual person should examine the world and realize, hey, man, that's some sin over there, right? Like, I, I, I need to be weary of that. But we cannot diagnose in the way of saying, like, man, that's some sin, and they need to get there, and this is how they need to do and this is what they need to do. And he's not saying being judgmental in that way, but rather he's saying, hey, examine the world around you. Be careful, right? So I just felt like I needed to break that down a little bit, um, because like I said, like, if if Paul is the biggest hypocrite in the world, we might as well just close this up and I'll walk off the stage and we can all go diagnose each other. Um, I don't recommend it. <laughs> but, yeah, and then he says, like, God is, he's, he's, he's the best person who judges, right? He is the only one to judge. We are just the, the person, right? God is the doctor. He can diagnose, we cannot. 
Um, and so that's basically what, what is happening there. Um, man, and so yeah, the, the pride that they're experiencing um, and this judgment that they're giving to one another is pouring into all areas of their life, right? So he's not just like, man, this is just a tiny little issue. It has no overflow into anything else. There's nothing else that's happening, but rather this pride and this judgment that they're experiencing is pouring into everything around them. That's what happens with sin, right? Whenever we're like, that's just a little sin. That's not gonna hurt anything. And then two months later, we're like, what the heck happened to my life? You let that little sin, little, air quotes, blow up, right? And so that's what's happening with them is he's realizing, hey guys, like this sin in your life of, of pride and of being judgmental and of picking sides and all of this stuff is pouring into all aspects of your life. It's not just affecting that one little thing. And so that's whenever verse eight starts. And man, I love sarcasm. Anybody else in here love sarcasm? I saw maybe half the hands raised. You're gonna love this, man, because Paul hits straight into sarcasm right here, right? So he begins to call out their lifestyles and, and what's kind of going on there, right? And so he, in verse eight, I'll read it to you. It says, already you have what you want. Already you have become rich. Without us, you have become kings. And would that you did reign, so we might also share rule with you. So what he's saying there is like, hey, like it doesn't matter. Like you're already rich. Why does it matter? Like you're already, you're already living like kings. So, so what's the point? You have all that you want. You're living the dream life. You have all you want and, and you have more than all you want. So what's the point, right? And, and at the end, he even says, man, I wish it was true. I wish you guys were kings. That way I could know a king. How cool would that be, guys? That's what Paul's saying is like, man, I wish you were a king. That way, man, I could just know you and I could like rule with you. We could be bros. I could like help you rule the kingdom. But no, that is not what a Christian life looks like. In verse nine, he drops a bomb on him, right? And so I'm gonna, I'll read that. It says, for I think that God has exhibited us apostles as last of all, like men sentenced to death because we have become a spectacle to the world, to angels, and to men. Men sentenced to death, unjust kings. I think that's a little different, right? And so he's not even just hinting that like, <clears throat> hey, you guys are living like kings and we're kind of like living like poor men. Like, no, he's saying like, hey, you guys are actually living like kings who have cast judgment onto people like us. You guys are living like kings who have sentenced to death Christians. That's what you guys are living like. You guys are not living like Christians. So he's kind of giving a, like, hey, like, yeah, like I said, like, kings, men sentenced to death. There's a big difference there. And he's definitely pointing that out. Um, he's pointing out, like, the differences in, in what they think is a Christian life or whether they think that or not. And then what the apostles are called to, right? What the apostles' lives are like. Man, so that would be like, if I come in and I'm like, hey guys, like, you know, the XFL just started. It's a new professional football league. And I'm like, yeah, I'm the quarterback for the Dallas team. You'd be like, I don't know about that, Zach. Like, you don't look like you could play professional football. Um, your diet's definitely not like you could play professional football. 
I don't think you work out enough to play professional football. So it's like a professional athlete walks in here and they're really out of shape. They have a dad bod like me and it's awesome. Um, dad bod's back in style, shout out. Um, but it would be like that and then being up here and being like, well, like, you know, what's, your, what's your exercise look like? Oh, well, I go to the gym like once a week, maybe twice a week and like walk on the treadmill for 10 minutes and maybe I like do the elliptical for like a few minutes and then I go and talk to the girl that's doing the stair climber and then I go do like three curls and like a set of bench press and then I bounce out. It's like, well, that doesn't seem much like a professional athlete to me. I don't know about you guys. If you're like, okay, like what, like what do you eat? Surely, you know, salads, um, you know, get your macros in, right, Cole? <laughs> um, Cole did started CrossFit lately and it's an ongoing joke that he has to get his macros in every day. Um, but no, and they're like, well, actually I ate like five guys for like lunch and dinner the past three days. And you're like, man, that's a really greasy burger. I don't know how you do that. Um, that would be slightly confusing, right? You would think, man, like I bet this person like has a really good sleep schedule. They, they go to bed early. They wake up early. They're like, actually, no, I stayed up last night till 4 a.m. playing Fortnite with my bros. You're like, man, like nothing you are saying looks like what it should. You're saying I'm this professional athlete. I'm a professional in my craft, but ultimately you just look like an out of shape high schooler. So what is happening there? Um, we'd be really confused if that happened. So you can imagine what Paul's experiencing right here, seeing all that they're doing, seeing that they're proclaiming, hey, I'm a Christian, but not acting like it. What made them so different, right? Um, I think, uh, yeah, so what made them so different? How should they be acting as believers, right? And I think, <coughs> sorry, Angel. Um, I think that Paul gives us actually quite a few examples in verses 10 through 13, but I think they're kind of lumped into three main groups. And then at the end, he sums it up with like one one big statement, right? And so I'm gonna go through those really quickly. How should we as Christians act? Um, he gives us a lot of things to model our lives after. But one, Christians should be prepared to be treated poorly by the world. In verse 10, it says, hey, like we're viewed as fools in Christ. You guys are view viewed as wise in Christ, right? We've heard our whole lives like, oh, the world's gonna think you're a little bit of a whack job for being a Christian, but isn't that completely different than right, being viewed as wise in Christ by the world? So that's, that's what the church in Corinth is viewed as, is wise. He's saying, hey, but we should be viewed as fools. Also in verse 10, it says that we should be viewed as weak by the world. Sorry. That we should be viewed as weak by the world. It says that they are viewed as strong. That's also a huge difference. We've all heard the idea that faith is just a crutch for the weak. Right, that's the view that the world has on us. Albeit wrong, that's a view that the world should have, according to scripture, right? We should be viewed as weak. But the church here in Corinth, the Christians there are viewed as strong. Also in verse 10, it says that we should be held in disrepute, which just means to be held in low esteem by the public. But it says that they, they were not, right? They were, they were held high. They were viewed as good. So already we can see in just that first verse that the church in Corinth definitely has some weird things going on. They are viewed as much, much differently than what the apostles are, than what the Christians should be viewed as. 
And so we look on to another one. So Christians should be willing to live in tough conditions. This is happening all around, all around the world right now, by the way, right? So Christians should be willing to hunger and thirst. That says verse 11. The apostles had experienced hunger and thirst, and they had been through times where they did not have water to drink and food to eat. But God provided for them, right? And it seems like the church in Corinth was not that. They were not hungering and thirsting. Verse 11 also says, Christians should be ready to be beaten for their faith. Buffeted means to be beaten repeatedly, right? So he's saying, hey, hey, we've been buffeted. What, what have you guys been? Have you guys gotten beaten for your faith? I wouldn't expect that to happen to us here in Lubbock. If you've got beaten for your faith, share that story with us afterwards. I would love to know it. But what he's telling them right now is, hey, like you, we, we've been beaten repeatedly. What, like, can you, what, what, is, what is going on here? Can you guys say that? In verse 12, it says, Christians should be prepared to work hard for a living, right? So he said that we work diligently with our hands to, to provide. So they, they aren't being handed anything. They aren't being just said like, oh, hey, like, here you go. Like, have fun, have fun with that. Go on and, and live your life. We have to work hard for things. And then we look even further. We say Christians should return negativity with positivity. So in verse 12, it says Christians should return disrespect with blessings. It talks about whenever they're disrespected, whenever they're hated on, rather than hating back and disrespecting back, which we see a lot of today by Christians, they actually return with blessings. Right? They take that hate and they turn it back and they say, man, like, we're going to take that and we're going we're gonna to turn with blessings and with positivity. In verse 12, we also see that Christians must be able to experience persecution and not let it stop them. So he talks about, hey, we've been persecuted and we haven't let it stop us from going and doing what we need to do. All throughout scripture, you can see Christians being persecuted. Today, if you look at Christian news, Christians all over the world are being persecuted. And in the countries where persecution is highest, that's where the growth of Christianity is the highest. The growth of Christianity in the United States where there's little to no persecution, you might lose a friend over it, but it's in decline here. Countries in the Middle East where people are being killed and persecuted for their faith daily, we're seeing tons and tons of Christians come to know Christ, or tons and tons of non-Christians come to know Christ. So he's saying you have to be ready to be, to be persecuted and to not let it stop you. Christians need to respond for to hatred with kindness, that's in verse 13, right? It's again, it's loving your enemy, turning the other cheek. We hear this in scripture. Jesus promises us that the world will hate us. It's not news to us as Christians. Scripture, this book, right? The words of Jesus tell us, hey, the world hated Jesus first, so if we act like Jesus, the world should hate us too. And then Paul finally rounds everything up with a nice, little awful bow by saying, hey, Christians are like the scum of the earth and we continue to be the scum of the earth. Man, that's a hot take right there. I don't know, like, I read that and I feel super convicted. I don't wanna be scum. I don't think anybody in their right mind wants to be scum. That's just a nasty word. I'm just gonna say it a few times. Scum, scum, scum. Any of you guys feel grossed out yet? I do. That's good. Um, but man, Paul knew all of this well. He knew what it was like to be 
viewed as scum. He knew what it was like to be beaten. He knew what it was like to be persecuted. He knew what it was like to be homeless. If you don't believe me, go and read the book of Acts. Go and see what happened to the Christians in that, right? They dispersed for a reason. They ran away from their home for a reason because they were being persecuted. So Paul knows all of this very, very well. And so he's not just writing this letter and saying, hey, I really think you guys need to start getting beaten up in public for your faith, but I don't know what that's like. No, he knows and he has experienced everything that he's asking of them and everything that he's pointing out. He didn't let any of it stop him. Man, he, he walked the walk and walked the talk, right? This guy, he was serious about his faith. He wanted the Corinthians to be serious about their faith. He practiced what he preached. He's telling us that as Christians, we need to be ready for tough times, to struggle with things, to have to fight for things. He knew that Christians, these, these Corinthians, had to be prepared to be hated by the world, and they were not doing that. They were doing the exact opposite, as we've stated. All right, cool. So sermon's over. You guys can go ahead and leave. No, I'm kidding, right? If that's where the sermon ended, a lot of you guys would be like, what the heck was that? Man, he just told us how bad the Corinthians sucked the whole time and then told us to leave. Um, that would not be good. And, right, and that's the same thing with this letter. Paul could have ended there. Paul had the right to end there, man. Like he, he was on top of things, right? But rather than ending there, Paul went on to encourage them, right? So that would be like, you know, on Monday nights, a bunch of the, the Journey guys, like if you haven't come, on Monday nights we play basketball. Come see me afterwards, you can come. On Monday nights, uh, it's a lot of fun. But that'd be like if we're in there playing basketball and Chris Beard walks in and he just stands in the corner. Chris Beard is a Texas Tech men's basketball coach. If you don't know that, get out from under your rock. Um, I'm sorry. But, so Deb probably didn't know who that was. <laughs> but, so yeah, Chris Beard just comes and stands in the corner and he's just over there. Stroking his chin. He's like, hey guys, hey guys, come on, come here, come here. And he just comes there and he does the coach stance where he puts his leg up on something. He has his clipboard. He's like, man, you guys suck. And he throws a clipboard on the ground. He's like, you can't pass, you can't shoot, you can't dribble, you can't defend. These are all things he would really say, by the way. Um, you guys, except for Matt, you guys can't do anything. All right, we'll see you guys later. Have fun basketball the rest of the night. And just walks off but he doesn't tell us how to fix any of it. We would all be like, hey, actually, like, we, we would love your help. What do we do? How do we not suck anymore? And so that's exactly how the Corinthians would have acted if Paul would have just ended the letter there, right? They would have been like, man, what was that? Okay, we suck. How do we fix it? And so that's what he does, right? In verses 14 through 21, Paul encourages them. In verses 14, he, says, he starts off, he's like, hey, by the way, I just told you guys how bad you sucked. Um, I'm sorry, but I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. Man, that's a statement, right? It's so important because like I said, Paul could have left it there. He could have said, all right, you guys suck. We'll see you later. But rather, he took time to encourage them and to build them up and to point them in the right direction. He doesn't just want to scold them and make them feel ashamed and make them feel bad of themselves. He wants to teach them. He wants them to make Jesus their number one priority. So he says admonish, which that's a, that's a fancy word for basically to, wor to warn, to give counsel to, or to advise, 
right? And so he's not just like, man, I'm just going to tell you guys how bad you are, but rather I'm going to advise you in how to get better and how to grow and how to get out of this suckiness that you're living in. Um, man, so he goes on to relate, he, and he's, he's related himself to, to, their, to their spiritual father many times, right? And so he's giving them this picture of like, we've heard it our whole lives, right? If, if your father or your mother sees you doing something bad, they're not gonna just say, oh, kids will be kids. Let them do bad and ruin their lives. No, they're gonna step in and it might be tough and it might hurt and it might suck and they might have to use strong words with you. They might ground you. They might take away your phone. They might do whatever they have to, but it's not because they just wanna let you know how bad you suck. It's because they wanna admonish you. They want to build you up. They wanna encourage you. They want you to be better. And that's the same thing that Paul is saying right here. And he even goes to say, hey, like, not only that, but like, I've actually sent you Timothy. Timothy is somebody who he had trained up, right? He, he had really like led in the faith well. And he's like, hey, I'm sending you help. I'm not just saying, hey, you guys are really bad. Um, here's some words. But no, he's like saying, hey, actually, I'm sending this guy to you. He's a stud. Like, listen to him. Like, he will help you. Like, let him help lead you. Let him point you towards Jesus. Let him point you towards what a godly life looks like. So he's saying, hey, guys, yeah, yeah, you're struggling. But man, I don't want you guys just to struggle. I want you guys to get better. And tough words have to be involved sometimes. He ends by talking about how the Christian life is not about talk, but about power, the power of actions, right? So he's like saying, hey, we can say all these words and stuff, but unless you act, unless the power of your actions really begins to steer your life, that means nothing. I think I missed a slide here. Um, I didn't miss a slide, sorry. <laughs> but he, he's saying all of, all of that. He's saying, hey guys, yeah, you're struggling, but I'm sending you help. I'm here to admonish you. These words are tough, but they're good. Man, and so what does all of this mean for us? What does this passage of scripture actually mean for us? You might be like, hey, Zach, man, that's cool, but that was written for a church like thousands of years ago, and man, our lives are very different. We have the Google, and they didn't. We have um, the full Bible, and they didn't. Uh, we have all this stuff that, that they didn't have. Or Man, we're very different than, than them, and I would say, hey, you're right. So what does this have to do with us? Thousands of years later, sitting in this room as a group of Christians, it has a lot to do with us because I'm the church of Corinth, right? We, as a body, we are the church of Corinth. We need to read letters like this more often. Because, like I said earlier, like, if I'm being real, I don't want to be the scum of the earth. That doesn't sound fun. Um, I would rather be really popular, but still love Jesus. I would rather have a lot, a lot of money and spend it on whatever I want and do whatever I want but still love Jesus. But what he's saying here is, hey, there's a lot of things going on, guys, that you guys are doing that are so opposite of what Christians are called to. Man, and, and he's not just saying that to them, he's saying that to us. I wanna live a life that avoids all of those hardships, but I still want, I still want the good parts of Jesus, right? So I wanna dissect Jesus or, or have like a little piece of clay that I mold into Jesus and I put up here 
and say, hey, this is Jesus. I'm going to follow this Jesus. I took out all of this negative hardship and all this bad stuff, but I want to be real with you guys. If that's what you've done with Jesus and you've taken this clay model and molded it into the Jesus that you want and that's what you worship, you're worshiping an idol. It might look like Jesus. You might even quote scripture. You might do all these really cool things. But man, if, you've, if you have taken out of Jesus what you want and left only what you desire to worship, worshiping an idol. And I do that in my life. So I'm not saying, man, you guys are, you guys are in it. Like you guys suck. No, I'm saying, man, like that's me. I am the church of Corinth. I don't want any of that. I only want the good. You guys, anybody in here maybe feel the same way? That sometimes we take away the the hard parts of Jesus like the church of Corinth did and only live out the good parts. Man, if that's you, lean in here because we have some good news. By the way, we should all be leaning in. Um, This passage should challenge you. Right? Shouldn't shame you, but it should challenge you. You should walk away maybe scratching your head a little bit, thinking about, man, like, that is, that is a little bit true about me sometimes, maybe. But I didn't preach this, and Paul didn't write it to shame anybody, like he said. Um, and I wasn't, the whole time I was prepping this sermon, I wasn't like, ooh, this is going to be a good one. Everybody's going to walk away feeling so ashamed. No, but like, I felt challenged when I was writing this sermon. I felt convicted when I was writing this, whenever I was reading through these scriptures. I wasn't just sitting there thinking, man, they're really gonna get it. This is gonna suck for them. No, like it sucked for me. Um, But you shouldn't walk away feeling ashamed. You shouldn't walk away thinking, man, I'm a Christian, but I don't do any of that, man, I suck. No, you should walk away thinking, man, like I, I am a follower of Jesus, and I could act a lot more like Jesus than I already do. Let's get to work. Let's do this thing, right? That's the mindset that we wanna walk away with tonight. Because how are we supposed to get better before bigger if we don't act like godly people? How are we supposed to do any of that if we don't genuinely walk out our life as scripture calls us to, as Jesus calls us to. So if you're not a believer and you're in this room tonight, I just want to tell you, thanks for being here. That's awesome. But Paul was not writing to you when he wrote this. So don't hear these things and be like, dang, I'm not doing any of those. Because Paul wasn't writing to you whenever he wrote this, if you're not a believer. But you know what was written for you and what was done for you? The good news of Jesus. That's, that is what pertains to you right now. The fact that we have a loving Father in heaven that has seen and knows that we're not good enough, but loves us enough to send his son, right, to become fully human and fully God, to live a perfect life, to hang on a cross with our sins, the weight of our just horrible suckiness on his shoulders, dies, And he rose for you, for everybody in here, not just for the Christians, for everybody in here. And so I want to encourage you, if if you're not a believer, Paul wasn't talking to you tonight when he wrote this, but he, he was talking to you when he speaks of the gospel. Jesus, the King of Kings, 
came and died for you so that we could have a relationship with the one true God. Man, that is for you. If you are a believer, this was written to you. Um, It was written to me as a believer and it was written to you as a believer. So man, I challenge you guys tonight to respond in a way that, that we feel called. Whether that's, man, getting on your knees where you are right now and, and hashing things out with God, saying, man, God, like, yeah, some of those things, I really struggle with those things, but like some of them I'm doing great, man, that's awesome, rejoice. Thank God for, for the fact that you are doing well in some areas. Talk to him and ask him for help in the ways that you are not doing good. Man, if that means that you want to go and get prayer, myself and Becca will be in the back and Cole and Caitlin will be in the back and we'd love to pray with you. Um, Man, let's, let's beat up the stigma. If you were here on Sunday, Brandon talked about beating up the stigma that anytime anybody comes to the front to ask for prayer, goes whatever and asks for prayer during a response time, that you think, man, that, mu- that person must be really struggling with sin. No, what if they just want prayer, right? So let's, let's get that stigma out of here. And if you just want prayer, if you just want encouragement, come talk to somebody. If you don't wanna do it in here, talk to your Connect Group host, but respond in a way that glorifies the Lord. So man, if, if that was you tonight that I was just talking uh, to that's not a believer, man, if, if God has touched you tonight and you would like to know Jesus in a personal way, come find one of the staffers tonight. We'd love to talk with you about that. Man, but let's respond tonight. Remember, let's, let's begin to act like it. So bow your heads with me. Father, we thank you for today. And we thank you for your word, um, even when it's convicting, especially when it's convicting, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are good. We thank you that uh, even though that we kind of suck sometimes and that we struggle all the time, Lord, that you are good and that you love us, um, man, and that all we need to do is, man, we need to, need to turn to you and come back running with open arms and you were thrilled to have us back. So God, as we respond tonight, I just pray that you uh, touch each and one of us uh, just individually. You speak to us how we need to be spoken to, God. Man, and we, we just love you a lot, Lord. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Journey Podcast. You can learn more about The Journey by checking us out on Instagram or Facebook. Just search for at the journey LBK.